Okay, first I just want to say that uh, it's been such a huge blessing for Josh, and, you know, I remember when Jeremy and him first had this Bible study, and I look at the faces around and see everyone that's been there from the beginning and all these new faces, and it's such a blessing to see that. And I even see some people in the audience say, like Christina and, and Brian, people that have known me when I wasn't Christian, and to see what God has done through me and what he's done, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for him today. So all the glory goes to him. Um, today we're going to be speaking about boldness and how are, you to take, how are you to take a stand for God. So if everyone would please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want you to put your fingers on verses 43 through 47. I'm going to be jumping around through chapter 17, so just stay on 43 through 47 and I'll get right to it. This is the story of David and Goliath. Verse 4. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits in span. Goliath was nine foot nine. Verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that, I, that we may fight together. Verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Skip over to verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? David in verse 26 states, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David in 29 states, Is there not a cause? Verse 31, And when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he went for them, or he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. This is where we get to verse 43 through 47. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with six? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the air of the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with spear, with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. One might ask, how would I have this boldness? How can I obtain this? Well, before I answer that question, I want everyone to close their eyes right now. Just close your eyes. I want you to picture and envision what I'm about to tell you. So everyone, just shut your eyes. It's 1970. Asia. The girl's 16 to 17 years old. Right now, you're envisioning being at that Bible study, that underground Bible study. They cannot see you, but you can see them and what's about to occur. The communist soldiers had discovered a legal Bible study. As the pastor was reading from the Bible, men with guns suddenly broke into the home. 
terrorizing the believers who had gathered there to worship. The communists shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed his gun at the pastor's head. Hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible, his prized possession. With a snare on his face, the guard threw the word of God on the floor at his feet. He glared at the small congregation. We will let you go, he growled, but first, you must spit on the book of lies. Anyone who refuses will be shot. The Bible, the believers had no choice but to obey the officer's order. The soldier pointed his gun at one of the men. You first. Slowly, the man got up and knelt down by the Bible. Reluctantly, he spit on it, praying, Father, please forgive me. He stood up and walked to the door. The soldier stood back and allowed him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier said, nudging the woman forward. In tears, she could barely do what the soldiers demanded. She spat on a little, but it was enough. She, too, was allowed to leave. Quietly, a young girl came forward. Overcome with the love for her Lord, she knelt down and picked up the Bible. She wiped off the spit off her, with her dress. What have they done to your word? Please forgive them, she prayed. The communist soldiers put a pistol to her head and blew her head away. Most of, the face, most of those facing persecution today could have escaped if they had denied their faith. The question is not whether we are persecuted, but whether we are willing to lay down our life for our faith in Jesus Christ. You may open your eyes. You might ask, well, how does one obtain faith like David and boldness? When he took on Goliath, that was 9-9, this huge man. How does one have boldness like this girl, willing to die for her faith, when others denied the Lord right there on the spot because they'd rather save their own life and not lose it for the Lord's sake? Well, family, who am I but a man? Let's go over what the Bible says. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. Those four key essential elements right there. God just doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. He wants for you to be drenched and consumed with Him. In your heart, in your soul, in your mind, and in your strength. Every aspect of your life, He wants you to give to Him. Mark chapter 8, 34-36 When He had called the people to Himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, this is Jesus, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Romans chapter 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is... For us, who can be against us? These are the key essentials. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. For God to use you in the ministry that He's called you in, you have to be willing to take a stand and be bold when others are not. When people say to you, it can't be done, who are you but a, a young person, a young woman or a young man? But ah, you know what? God does not judge the outside. He looks at the heart. That's the key. He looks at the heart. See, the, fam the question isn't, family, uh, does God love us or agape us? And you might say, what does agape mean? Well, agape 
is a word that's used for love in the Greek. It's a definition for love in the Greek. It states, it's a selfless love. It's the highest form of, of a, a love that someone can give. It's used in John 3.16, For God so agape, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 15.13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. This is the type of love I'm speaking of. You have to have agape love to be bold for the Lord. That is the key. If you do not have agape love, if you're not willing to lay your life down daily for the Lord and give Him all of you, if you're not willing to lay your life down for the Lord, and if it comes to that time, or when that time comes to die for your faith, you cannot be used fully. You have to ask that question. Am I willing to give my whole entire life to the Lord? Every aspect. There's a quote from Michael Nakashami. Tortured and had boiling water poured on his head and body until he died because he refused to deny Jesus. Japan, 1628. Tear me to pieces and rip my soul from my body, but you will never force that detestable word of denial from my mouth. There was a man that loved the Lord. David, he loved the Lord with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He agape God. That young girl that was 16, 17 years old, she agape God. She was willing to die for Jesus. These are individuals. Paul, willing to share the gospel and die for him. Stephen. Joseph, ran away from his master's wife that tried to seduce him because he loved the Lord. The key question is, do you agape God when the struggles come? Not when everything is great, but praise the Lord when things do happen that are good. But the question is, do you agape him when the times are hard? When you have to take a stand? When there's no looking back and you think you can't do it? Well, you can't on your own. It's only the Lord that can. Like the worship song goes, Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid of? Whom shall I fear, O Lord? So I just wanted to share this with you. God's put this on my heart. I wanted to encourage you. Um, Josh came to me a couple weeks ago and he said, Share what's on your heart. I had no idea, but I prayed and the Lord put this on my heart on third service at Harvest. So the question is, do you agape God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you tonight with humbled and broken hearts. Lord, I pray right now for Ken Hoven that you continue to use him in that jail cell, Lord, that you continue to guide and direct him and make him the man of God that you want him to be, fully complete, lacking nothing. Lord, I pray right now for this Bible study, Lord, for the people here, that we may be bold like these people, these individuals that were spoken of tonight. Lord, that we are willing to die for you. Lord, I pray right now for all the martyrs and all the missionaries and all the underground churches in China, Lord, and Russia and the Middle East that have to go through persecution daily. Lord, I know that we're not persecuted at all here. Lord, I pray for persecution. I pray, Lord, that you continue to use everyone here for the ministry that you've called them to. Lord, may we decrease that you may increase. Lord, it says in Hebrews 12.29 that you are a consuming fire. Lord, I pray that you consume us with your fire. Lord, I pray that you light a passion in us to share your word and to make a difference in this world, to be bold and to be set apart. And I praise your love in your precious name, and we love you so much. All the God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Long live the king. Snap, I feel like I should sit down, you know. Like, now I'm going to boast in, in the Lord.
and what he's done in Larry's life. You know, I've just seen, I remember way back, you know, he just barely made a decision to follow the Lord, and Larry's, you know, definitely more boldness, and he, he has a passion for it. He lives a life. He goes to the same gym I do and talks to people about Jesus all the time. I can't remember the last time I talked to the Lord about and talked to somebody about the Lord in the gym. I'm seeing this man struggle financially and set his face towards the Lord continually and be provided for where he ran to work for like three months or something like that. How long it's been? I don't know, maybe six months or whatever it's been. Moved from place to place, seeking the face of God, staying dedicated to the king, not forsaking him because hard time has come, because he doesn't have a place to live nor a car to get to work, but just stays dedicated. It sounds like a Bible story or something. It's because, family, you need to listen. There are certain people among us, everyone will hear, but very few will do. Everyone will hear, but very few will have the faith that we speak about in the Word. Everyone will hear, but very few will stand. But I believe in you guys. I believe God's doing a work in your life. And I believe that this study alone can make a stand. That can impact just the, the small group of people around us. Wherever we're at, at our workplace, school, or in our families. And we can truly change this world. Our world here in Riverside. It doesn't take many. Only 12. That's all it takes. We've got 12 strong here. Stand up and raise your arm with me if you're ready, you see. We've got to come together. We've got to start living for our King. And watch what the Lord does. Are we going to fail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to mess up. But the key is to dust off the knees and continue moving forward. My buddy Christian, I was talking to him today. It's from Canada. It warms my heart. I miss him. He ministers to me so much. He's sharing with me, you know, John, you know who we are? You know who the guys were that started the movement of the church? Paul, Peter, James, John, the disciples? Well, guess what? We are the, the people, the men, who will end the age of the church. We the ones. We are living in the time that God has given us the opportunity to do that. We. Maybe when we're 40 or 50 or maybe tonight. But we have great opportunity to serve our King daily and bold. Oh man. I feel like I've lost some of my boldness. Remember when I was in high school I was crazy. When I was in high school I took the Ten Commandments and plastered them seriously like half this building is big in the parking lot of my high school and wrote the Ten Commandments out with illustrations for each Ten Commandment and if you break them it's just like people were just like what the <laughs> and I remember the principal coming to me and saying Josh you're going to have to take that down I was just like no and she's like okay that was it <laughs> But I don't feel like I do that stuff anymore. And that was a gut check to me, you know? 
going to stand up. Take great pride in being able to stand for your king. Take great pride in being able to stand up and say, you know, that's wrong. And Jesus says this. Be able to stand up and say, you know what? That's not right. I ain't going to do that. And this is why. Think about what atheists stand for and how much it die and just, man, the Mormons, what a difference they're making. Family, we've got the truth. We've got to make a stand for it. You've got to muster up that boldness within you and to stand up and say this and say that minister to the people bring a defense and it's the greatest journey this life has to offer when you make a stand there's no greater it almost becomes a, a fun game once you start standing for the Lord and you see the rewards that come and you see the people that are blown away and can't believe it But I hope this would be your prayer tonight. Listen, I hope this would be your plea to the Lord. I hope this would be your pledge, all of the above, that you would say, Lord, take everything that I am, take my hat, take my mind, take my heart, everything that I am, everything that I stand here, all the way down to my sandals, who I am, what I do, what I can be, and use it for your glory, anything you need, anything you want. You take my, my, all the brains intact that I have. Take my heart, all the compassion and love I can give. You take my, my style, whatever. You take the things that I do surfing, whatever. You take whatever I have and use it for your glory. Can you say that tonight? Are you ready to say that tonight? Let's start saying that tonight. Let's start this, the night off right now in saying that. Can we do that? Can we go before the Lord and you guys talk to the Lord individually and me too? I need to talk to Him. I need to let Him know that I'm ready to make a pledge. I need to let Him know that I'm ready to make a decision. Okay? We cannot let the... Hey, we cannot let these words fall. We cannot forget these things. We need to talk to Him about it. Let's do that. I'm going to talk and you talk to the Lord and I'm going to give you about 20, 30 seconds, okay? Just to spend some quick time with the Lord and talk to Him by yourself. Hey, don't let your mind wander. And I would encourage you to pray with your mouth. Remember, not loud enough so the people next to you can hear, but loud enough so you can hear yourself. So you're articulating words. You're not just sitting there like I used to do in church all the time and just, oh, it's time to pray, huh? Mmm, ice cream. No, no, we're not doing that. Okay? This is an opportunity to go before our King. So let's do that. Father, do you hear us, Lord? We thank you for the word that you've given us and we desire to be bold. We need the strength. Lord, if there are some of us here tonight like me, we would have a hard time standing and being very bold. I pray that you would encourage us, that you would build us, that you would strengthen us, you would make us those men and women you desire us to be. That we will wave your flag as high as we can. That we will make a stand, no matter if we fall, no matter if we mess up, no matter what happens. That we would continue to stand for you and keep making that decision. To testify your goodness and your mercy and your love. and Testify your righteousness and your justice and your holiness amongst this nation. 
And that, Lord, we would be a group that are not hypocrites. That, Lord, we would be a group that are not going to run from You. But we are going to be a group that knows You personally and stands for You individually. And so, Father, we come to You tonight, in this moment, and we give You ourselves. Let's talk to the Lord about that. Just 30 seconds. Let's just talk to Him and pledge ourselves to Him. ourselves to you. Use us for your glory, to bring glory to yourself. You can be lifted up for everybody to see that you are the greatest champion. You are the greatest king. You are the greatest God this earth has ever seen. There is none like you. We hand ourselves over to you, willingly, in dedication. Have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord had something up his sleeve tonight. Something different than what we normally do, and I praise him for that. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you for having ears that want to hear the word. Get ready, family. The Lord has a few more things to say to us tonight. In Deuteronomy chapter 9. Let's listen closely. Let's gird up our minds. Let's get ready to study the word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Let's turn there. We see preparation as the people are getting ready to move into the promised land. Cross the Jordan seen quite a few things happen since we're running short on time. I'm just going to jump right into the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 1. Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go and to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities greater and fenced up to heaven. What a description, huh? Talk about a mighty city. Who's he speaking about? Jericho. Remember? The walls that tower as high as the heavens. Thick. Thicker than a tank could blow through. These walls are massive. And they're about to face things that they have no clue. Hey, we're about to face things that we have no clue about. Listen. Things that are mightier than us. Things that can possess us and bring us down and mess us up. Yes. But... Let's read on. There's a people great and tall, children of the Anakims, who knowest and whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Remember the giants in the land. Who can stand before these guys? Verse 3, Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is He who goes over before you 
and as a consuming fire he shall destroy them and he shall bring them down before your face so shall you drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said unto you did you hear that? hey guess what family there's going to be cities that you're going to cross into towns enemies villages territory which walls will be seem impenetrable how can we get through this how can we pass through this the wall is so big there's Anakins Anakins in the, in the land the children of Anak these giants who can stand against them that's the saying didn't you read it there in verse what is it 3 verse 2 says, whom we've heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? It's like this phrase that everybody knows. It's like, who can stand against Hulk Hogan? I don't know. Warrior. Ultimate warrior. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. But many times, hey, we say this, don't we? Hey, that wall's big. Who can get through that? Hey, that's a giant, and I can't take that down. Lord, how will you deliver me? I just had a situation a few days ago. I was about to buy this car, and I actually won it on eBay. It's Dodge Magnum. Sick. 40,000 miles on it. Ten grand. 2005. And, uh, yeah, it's a crazy deal that I just owned. Everything was locked away, but the guy wouldn't take the check. That would go, he wanted a cashier's check. And I was locked into these these conditions. It's like I have to pay three percent of what the car's worth, and then also like one hundred and ten dollars because I signed the contract, because I clicked and won the bid. Or I have to pay just all this stuff, and I'm just like, Lord, deliver me! I made a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. I I, I didn't read the payment method. I read the terms and conditions, but I didn't read the payment method. It just went past my eyes and he only takes cash I'm just like Lord I'm in big trouble I'm about to have to pay this guy you know about 500 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever it is to get out of this contract please and yep he did the guy calls me up after I write him this letter I'm, Robert the letter was from God it seriously was I wrote this letter like compassion and grace I was just crying out to this guy like I'm in your hands and you can deliver me if you like but no it wasn't that intense but it was something like that and he calls me he's like you know you know I don't deal with that those companies this is why we talked for like 20-25 minutes and he ended up saying at the end you know what Josh if it doesn't work out and we can't make the contract don't worry about it You're off home free I was like what my God is mighty to save He's mighty to save. Family, hey, if you're going through something right now, He's going to deliver you. How's it going to work out? I don't know. Hey, the giants are big, I know. Who can jump that wall? I can't. Who can penetrate it? It seems bulletproof. It seems like it's not going to go down. It seems like it's not going to go away. You're going to be delivered. The Red Sea will be parted time and time again. Know this. Understand, you ready? Listen, understand therefore this day, right now, this day, that the Lord your God is which goeth over before you, or goes into your travel before you. He is a consuming fire. 
and he will destroy it, them, whatever it is. He will bring them down before your face, just like he did me this last week, right before my face. Bam, Josh. Hey, hey, Mr. Worry Ward. Hey, hey, Mr. Can't figure out what to do. I was right on time. I didn't miss it. I'm never late. I was listening to a pastor this is last week on K-Wave, and he's talking about how it seems like the Lord is very seldom early. He's always on time, but He's never early. It's not like, Lord, deliver me now! And all of a sudden, you know. It's like, Lord, deliver me! Deliver me! Deliver me? Deliver me! Lord, this is uh, really getting hard here. I'm going to deliver me. Alright, forget it. I'm going to try to figure it out myself. That's what we do a lot of times. We must stay strong. We must put our faith and trust in our King and know that He is going to deliver us all of our days. Every single one of you will be delivered every single day of your life for the rest of your life just because you know the greatest king to ever walk this earth. You know him. And he knows you. And he knows your problems and your situations and you will be delivered. Stop worrying. Let it go. Don't let the enemy rip you off. Anything. What a great promise. Doesn't that warm your heart? It warms mine. Like, man, you mean everything's going to be okay for the rest of my days no matter what I'm going through? Yeah. Yeah. That's the privilege you get in knowing your God. Because He's great and He's mighty. And He will pull through. Let's move on. Speak not, verse 4, thou in thy heart after the Lord thy God hast cast him down from thee, saying, for my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord does drive them out from before thee. Stop there. Moses is speaking to the people. He's giving a speech to everybody and saying this. Hey. Hey. Don't you dare say that because of your righteousness or because of your good deeds, that's why you get to go into the promised land. And don't you dare say, because I've been a good boy, that's why God has blessed me. Because I've been a good boy, that's why I get to go to heaven. Oh no. Oh. You have been a bad boy, a bad girl. And you do not deserve one blessing. You do not deserve any promises. And you do not deserve heaven. No one. There's not one on this earth. The only one who deserved it is Jesus Christ because He lived a perfect life, friends. That's why. you got to live a perfect life to get to heaven. Only perfect people get to heaven. So you know what he did? He lived a perfect life, and you know what he did? He gave it to you. And he gave it to me. You know what he did? He took our wicked lives on that cross. So he traded us. There's an exchange there. Hey, guess what? You get to have a perfect life, my perfect life. I give it to you, and I take your filthiness on the cross. And I take the penalty. And guess why you get to go to heaven? Because now you are looked as perfect. Why? Because Jesus gave you His perfect life. That's why you get to go to heaven. That's why you get blessings. Only perfect people get blessings, my friends. Only perfect people get the promises of God. Because that's the only ones who deserve it. And Jesus gave you His life. So don't you ever say, 
The reason why I've got this is because I've been a good boy. Oh no. We have, I've not been good. The reason I get to teach to you tonight and minister is not because I have been good. It is because God has been gracious to me for some reason. I don't understand it. I do not feel like a righteous man. I do not feel... I feel wicked. I feel dirty many times in my life. Like, I look at the people that I get to minister, the things I get to do, the places I travel, the way my life is, and I wonder, why have you given this to me? Lord, I have not been good to you. I have not given you what you deserve. And that's exactly it. You know why He's giving these things to you? It's because He loves you. God loves you. He cherishes you. He thinks about you day and night. He loves spending time with you. As much as you love someone, it's nothing compared to the love of God. As much as you love and cherish and care about someone, it's almost as a perspective of hating someone compared to how much God loves you. If you try to use up God's love, it's like a minnow trying to use up all of the ocean. Minnow? Little fish? It's like a minnow trying to use up all the water in the ocean. That's what God's love is like. That's how much it is. There is more than you can ever take in and bathe in and enjoy. So Moses tells the people, Hey, listen up, Israel. The only reason you're getting in is not because you have been good. Oh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Your righteousness is as filthy racks before the Lord. Do you know that? Like, oh, I've been a good boy all week. Oh, really? That's filthy. Straight up. It compares nothing to our God and who He is. And that's why you need to discover and understand what a privilege it is to be in the family of God. And what He has given you. Add up all of your good deeds over all of your life and God says, filthy. That's how awesome and that's how amazing He is. And He lets you into this perfect paradise, a place called heaven. You don't deserve it. Me neither. It's not fair. Okay. Do you think that you and me give God enough for what He has given us? Look at the exchange. Look at the exchange. It's like me walking up and saying, here, have the whole world. Okay? You just have it. Own it. Everything. Just have it. You're like, um, I'll trade you for a button. I got some lint, uh, two pennies, and a leftover Jolly Rancher. Here's the world. Here's everything. My brother Christian, my brother in the Lord Christian, he was telling me, he's like, Josh, sometimes I, I tell the Lord, Lord, you need to stop blessing me. And I, was, and I was talking to him about, he was telling me how he was talking to the Lord. He's like, I was talking to him about, you know, maybe we're, we're, we're going to go in September to visit my buddy Reynolds. He's getting married. He's one of the guys that was in the desert with us in Mexico. And Christian has been praying, asking the Lord if he can go. And, and Christian's like, man, you know, he's a really conservative. I'm kind of the jump off the cliff kind of guy. He's really, he's like telling me, don't jump off the cliff, Josh. That's not the word of the Lord. And I'm like, dang. Okay. He's got wisdom beyond his years. He's telling me, he's like, he's asking the Lord, he's like, Lord, I took off, you know, three months already in Israel, and I know I don't deserve, you know, to be able to take off, you know, a couple more days. I feel like you, 
you've delivered me, you bless me so much, I have great opportunity living there, I shouldn't be asking for more, and I shouldn't be going off to these things. But Lord, would it be alright if I just have a, a couple days off? And then he said, the Lord struck him and said, what's wrong with you? My grace is sufficient. My grace falls on you daily. Take off six. Enjoy the work that I've given you. Enjoy what I... Be blessed. Christian, he's very hard on himself. Very hard. Christian, I love you, man, if you're listening. He listens to the messages. But he was explaining how he is... We can almost sin against God by not accepting His blessings. That we can almost, by putting the hand up and not accepting the promises and worrying, not accepting the blessings that He's pouring out, not accepting the gift and the hope of heaven that we can be sinning against the living God. And we just saw that the Lord's going to deliver us And we just saw that a righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. And the only reason we get good things is because of what He did. And for you to deny that, and for us to not accept that, to really cherish that and treasure that family, that, hey, that's enough motivation to live for our King like never before. I mean, come on, what more do you want? I almost want to start telling the Lord, like, Lord, no more blessings. I haven't fulfilled enough. He's like, I know. I'm just going to keep giving, though. Because Jesus fulfilled it all for you. And that should make you appreciate our King. And to be motivated to live a holy and set-apart life for Him and to live boldness for Him. You hearing me, family? You getting these things? I'm going to blow through the rest of this and just stop here and there. But what we see for the rest of this chapter is Moses is proving to the people that it is not because anything you have done good that you get to go into this promised land. And so he starts pointing out to them all the things that they have done, all the things that they have gotten themselves caught up into, and all the things that they messed up in. It's like, listen up. And the second that we think we deserve to speak through this mic, the second we think we deserve to lead worship because we're good at it, the second we think we deserve to pray or minister or encourage or do any one of those things because we've been faithful, because we've been good, you're in danger, friend. That's pride. That's saying that I'm good enough. And every time I come up to speak in this pulpit, what I try to do is apply the blood of Jesus to my life as the priest did when they walked into the tabernacle. Do you remember? They applied the blood behind their ear. They applied it on the bottom of their toe and on their thumb. They applied the blood, and then when they left, they also applied the blood again. So as I come up here, before I come up, I apply the blood and say, Lord, I know that it is not me that deserves to be on this pulpit. It's because of your blood and what you have done for me that I get to speak and that I get to be a blessing unto any people, any person. And then when I'm done ministering, I get to apply the blood again and say, if the people are blessed, it's because of you. It's not because I'm a good speaker. It's not because I can say this or that or I thought of something clever. No! It is never because of me. And it is never because of us. Because we are not good enough. There is none righteous, no, not one. If you would just analyze your life and confess to the Lord every single time you sin, you'll see what a dirtbag you are, and me too. 
Just start confessing every time you sin. Every single time. Confess and talk to the Lord about it. Watch how many times. You'll be in the hundreds before the day's over. Say, man, Lord, why do you even use me? I think I'm a non-believer or something. I don't know if I'm even faithful or worthy. That's right. You are not. It is Him and Him alone. And so we're going to mow through this, and I want you to watch with me as Moses lectures the people and says, Listen up, guys. You're not worthy. And we're going to compare it to our lives. Because I want us to know that we are not worthy, and that we are worthless, and that we are rocks in the gutter. But Jesus has turned around and made us diamonds. Beautiful, precious pieces for Him. Period. Let's read there, I guess, starting in verse 5. Not for their righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart does thou go to possess their land. For the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God drove out, drove them out from before thee. And that may perform the word which the Lord swear unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he says, I drive these people out because they're wicked. And I also drive them out because I promised it to your forefathers. Verse 6, Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness. For thou art a stiff-necked people. Oh, sounds familiar. A little stiff neck. Got my neck brace on. I'm not going anywhere. Josh, go and talk to that person at the gas station. No. Come on, I want to deliver them. I want to give them life. Uh Uh-uh. I want you to pray for them. They're going to walk away blessed. I need a Snickers bar. I want Gatorade. That's what I'm thinking about, Lord. I don't have time for this guy. Stiff-necked. Workplace. Your family. Obey your parents. Be a blessing unto them. Nuh-uh. They did this and they say this to me. Hey, stand down. Well, my, my boss is a jerk. Hey, you're a jerk. And God shouldn't give you any blessings. You bless them in the name of Jesus. You love on them. Stiff-necked. That's me. Ask anybody who knows. Brian? Stiff-necked, yeah. I know. Verse 7. Remember and forget not how the Lord provoked provoke the Lord... Remember not how you provoked the Lord, thy God, to wrath in the wilderness. From the day, the, from the day that you didst depart out of the land of Egypt until you came unto this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Moses is saying, listen up, boys. The day you walked out of Egypt, you've been rebellious against God. Listen up, ladies. The day you stepped foot out of that place with Pharaoh, you have not seeked the Lord. You have not sought after him. You complain, you murmur, you don't put any faith in Him, you don't trust. Man, that sounds like Christians. (laughs) Whoops. But we, here in this study, can make a decision tonight. Let's not be stiff-necked, man. Put your guard down. Don't be known as a rebellious nation, a rebellious people here within our group. No way. Not because we're elite, because God's done a work in our lives. And hey, He deserves to be represented correctly. Let's move on. 
Verse 8, And in Horeb you provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry with you to have to destroy you. When I was gone up into the mountain to receive the tablet stones, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. Most like, okay, remember when I went up to the mountain? Remember Mount Sinai? I went up there, didn't eat or drink for forty days. He was sustained by God. Verse 10, And the Lord delivered unto me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you and the mount out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me two stone tablets and the tables of the covenant. Do you remember? The Ten Commandments, remember? You went up there forty days, the Lord wrote on them, bam, right there with his finger. He had them in his hands. Forty days he was up there. Watch what happens. And the Lord said to me, verse 12, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence. For thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are wickedly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made a molten image. Uh Uh-oh. You remember. The people have made a golden image. Remember? And, And Aaron tries to like... Moses goes down, Aaron, what happened? Well, uh, the people gave me their gold, I threw it in there, and out popped a calf. It says that. It says that in the text, literally. You should check it out for yourself. It says those exact words. I threw in the gold, and out pops a calf, or something, something in this phrase. Like, Aaron, you know, like, what are you talking about? But they're dancing naked around this calf. Mm. And look what happens. Verse 13, Furthermore, the Lord spoke unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Amen. Verse 14, Let me alone, that I may destroy them, and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. The Lord's just like, Let me wipe these people out, these wicked people. They've forsaken the Lord their God. they turn turned to another God. What a slap in the face of the greatest king ever. Man. That's like serving Jesus and then turning to Hitler and saying, I want to follow him. What a slap. What? Look, I, I've given you all of it. I blessed you. I, huh? No, we want to serve another God. We, hmm. Verse 15, So I turned, Moses, Moses, I turned and came down from the mountain and the mount burned with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf, and had turned aside quickly out of the way of the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tablets and cast them out of my two hands, and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord at the first forty days and forty nights, and I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which you sinned, and doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. What? He runs down the mountain and he sees the people. And he, he's just like, can you imagine? Moses had just gone up on the mountain 40 days with the Lord. You know what it's like. Those times when you've been up on the mountain and you're just like refreshed. You're blessed. You went to a retreat or something and something awesome happened. Or the Lord just spoke to you during a certain period of time. you just gotten away from everything. And the Lord has refreshed you. And Moses is fired up. Forty days with God alone. 
Remember, his face was a shone. He was glowing. He was lit up. I bet you he was skipping down that mountain. It's like, no, he wasn't. He was ready to. But then all of a sudden, God tells him, the people, Moses, they're, I don't know what to do with them. And Moses runs down quickly and sees what is happening. He takes the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God, that the Lord just wrote his own thing, and he throws it down before the people, and they just smash. I mean, I can't even... Can you imagine? Moses is barreling down, his face is glowing, just like... The people are dancing around naked, caught in the act, just like... Woo! Uh-oh. Moses... Moses here! And all of a sudden he's just looking at the people like... Just throws it. And the people are probably just standing like... Oh, snap. What does Moses do? He falls on his face. He falls on his face before God. And he starts praying for the people. He starts interceding for them. What a heart of compassion. I would have been ticked. I would have went down there and be like, you little busters, I can't believe you forsake. What are you doing? Aaron! My brother has forsaken God. My youngest brother. And I've said many things. That I've been so bummed out on him. Like, Jesse, what's the deal, man? I remember crying on the phone one time with him because I was just so burdened. Like, my own brother will not come to know Jesus. He knows him, but he's not walking with him. He's dancing around the calf. He's being slapped in the face by the enemy. And you you fall down on your face and pray for him. Look what he does. Verse 19, For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure where with the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. Did you hear that? I was scared that the Lord was going to smite you right there. I fell on my face. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. What? That's the kind of heart that I need, Lord. One that will not look at my brother who's getting married in a couple months to a girl that's not pushing him to know Jesus. He's living with her. And I need to look at him and pray for him and pray that God delivers him and not... Man, I just want to go over there and slap him. You know, I want to say, Jess, what are you doing, man? You used to teach the Word. Remember, youth group, you used to teach, you used to lead worship, all the above. Man. But that's a heart of compassion, family. To look into the face of the people around you. Look at them. Right now, look around, look, look around. Take a look. And when they do wrong, hey, hey, when they, hey, when they do wrong, hey, when they do wrong, you're not to shoot them. You're not to slap them. You are to pray for them. You are to pray. What a principle in the church today. Hey, when somebody does something wrong, what do we do? We go tell the first person we can find. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Can't believe it even happened to him. Ah, I mean, they're a leader in the church. Jeez, can can you believe that? Have you prayed for him? No, but man, this is crazy, huh? I just can't believe it's happening. (laughs) Slap them. We've got to become a people that represents our God correctly. Is he a God of righteous anger? Yeah, you better believe it. He becomes angry with sin. But there's an advocate. 
Moses the picture of Jesus here, praying for the people, interceding. The blood has covered the people. And the blood has covered the people around you that maybe you're putting down with your eyes. Hey, Jesus loves them just as much as He loves you. Sorry, friend. No, He loves me more because I spend more time in prayer. Oh, really? It's news. No, He loves us the same. Yeah, but they're not faithful. He loves them. These aren't faithful, and Moses loves them. Do you remember what he even said? What did Moses say? He said, Lord, if you decide to blot these people out, then blot my name out of the book. What? What compassion. What a heart. Let's move forward. Verse 21, And I took your sin. Oh, I love that. Did you see that? Verse 21, And I took your sin. What a great imagery of just Jesus, a picture of Him. And I took your sin, the calf which you made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it, and ground it into very small, even until it was small as dust, and I cast the dust therefore into the brook that descended descended out of the mount. What did He do with their sin? Crushed it up. Smashed it down. Made it like dust, and threw it into the river. Oh. What a great picture of our sin, huh? Has, has our God not done that for us? He's taken our sin, ground it up, and cast it into the deepest sea which no man can ever find. Hey family, if you've been in sin this week, listen up. If you've been doing things you shouldn't, you've been looking at things you shouldn't, you've been talking about people in a certain way, you've been being disobedient to your parents, you've been lying or something at work with someone individually, hey, you're forgiven. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. And the Lord has taken that sin and cast it into the deepest ocean. And that should motivate you. And that should bring great passion and desire to live for your King. No one does this. No one does this in your life. You sin against them, and what do they do? They will hold it against you all your days. But your God you sin against daily, He casts it into the ocean. Verse 22, And at Tebre, and at Massa, and at Kibroth, has Teva, ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadeshbar, Kadeshmarnia, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, Then you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you believed Him not, nor hearkened to His voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. Sounds like us, again. He said, remember the day that the Lord told you to go and do this, and you didn't do it? How many times, family, has the Lord spoken to us directly, and we choose not to do it? We choose not to do it. We've got to start changing our minds and listening to God. Is it a bummer if you listen to Him? No. You're going to be blessed. Let's move on. Verse 25, Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, and I fell down at the first because the Lord had said He would destroy you. Moses fell down again forty days and forty nights. Hey, when's the last time you fell down forty days for the person who's done wrong to you? 
the person you don't get along with, the person you have problems with, 40 days, that's why Moses is the meekest man to ever walk the earth. And that's why he was face to face with God. You want to be face to face with God? Start doing things like this. When's the last time you prayed 40 minutes with God, let alone 40 days? Family. I tell you these things not to bum you out. I tell you these things not to bring you down. I tell you these things to encourage you. May we be a people like Moses. Verse 26, I prayed therefore unto the Lord God and said, O Lord God, do not destroy the people, thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, and thou hast brought forth out of Egypt and with mighty hand. Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not at their stubbornness of the people, nor to the wickedness, nor to their sin. Lest the land whence thou broughtest us out, say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them. And he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Ye, yet they are thy people, and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power, and by thy strength, stretchest out thine arm. Moses pleads with the Lord. A lot of people say, what was Moses convincing God? Yeah, right. It's not the it is not Moses, this is not a man who can convince God and change his mind. No. It was a test. The enemy tempts, the Lord tests. The Lord will never tempt you. The enemy will tempt you. But the Lord will test you. And it is a test for Moses. And of course he passes with flying colors. But it is God who has put that heart in Moses. It is God who has put that desire and that goodness within him. It is not Moses. Moses is making a decision, yes, to seek the heart of God. And we are seeing great fruit from it. But it is God who is putting him to a test. God knew what was going to happen, past, present, and future. Moses is not informing God of anything new. And the same thing with us, family. He's got it under control. There's a great message this weekend about the sovereignty of God. Man, what a blessing. To know that God is in complete control. And that nothing will happen outside of His hands, ever. He's got it all under control. He knows past, present, and future. He is not late. He doesn't know how to be. And so as we look at this tonight, as we examine the wickedness of this people and see a picture of ourselves, amen? Gosh. We can walk away knowing what? That, hey, we are a rebellious people, period. Let's just get blunt. Start tallying up the things in your life daily. And try to see if you do more good in a day than bad. I don't. I guarantee there probably isn't even one day in your life that you have done more good than bad. Yeah, but I've done this. No, no. And so we can come to the conclusion that we are not righteous... And the only way that we can be and the only way that we are is because God has done something great in our lives. For some reason, He chose to pick you. For some reason, He wants to do a work in your life. For some reason, He's helping you out. He's blessing you. He's brought you to Him. And He's continuing to do the work whether you're rebellious or not. 
the mystery of God, the love of God is unbelievable. And so I want you to walk away not thinking, I can run around and be rebellious, and God's going to use me anyway. He's going to bless, He's going to do these things. Hey, is it true that you'll still have heaven? Yeah, I believe it. Is it true that the promises and blessings are still available? Yeah, I believe it. But guess what? By you living a rebellious life, you miss out on all of them. You don't receive the promise, you don't receive the blessing. And if you get to heaven, you just get in by fire. And it's a bummer. Because you have nothing to bring to the table. You've wasted your life. You've squandered it. You've taken this great opportunity of making a stand for the greatest king here on this earth. And you squander it. You let it go. You don't care. But those of you here tonight who choose to recognize what a gracious king we have, what an awesome God that we have, that even though we are not a righteous people and a good people, that He would choose to use us. Moses, in this time, remember, he's not going to enter into the promised land because he messed up. But God is still using him day in and day out. And those of you tonight who walk away saying, Josh, yeah, I recognize that I'm wicked, man, that I'm messed up. And I haven't done good things on this earth. And I'm so thankful that I have a God who cares and who loves me and has given me righteousness in Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve Him and I'm going to live for Him tonight. We're going to take that boldness that Larry has shared with us tonight and start applying it in our lives as we leave this place. Amen? I love you guys. And I say these things to you because I want you to be blessed. I want you to experience God by yourself. I can't do it for you. But when you experience God, you will be delivered in every situation. When you experience God, you will have peace. When you experience God, you can never be the same. I've tasted of His love. I can testify of His mercy. It's greater than anything. Me and Him by myself, with Him, is greater than any journey I've ever experienced in my life. I would encourage you, family, to go up on that mountain and spend 40 days with your king and watch what God does in your life. Watch how he changes you. Watch how he shows you his goodness. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, we come to you and you're such a good king. You're such a good God. I'm so thankful to have found you. I'm so thankful that you let me find you so thankful that you chose me I'm so thankful that you give me the boldness and the strength to stand up in certain times I'm so thankful that you give me any wisdom from this mic for Lord you know who I am and you know what I do I thank you God that you're great and that you continue to deliver to your people week after week with a fresh glass of water on a hot day bless your people king please let them allow you to bless them teach them these principles the fact that we are wicked that there is no one who seeks God help them to understand that it is all you that you are the one reaching down you are the one being so gracious you are the one grabbing on to It's not because we did anything good. It's just because you love us straight up. And so we say thank you for that. Family, can we say thank you? Let's say thank you to our King. Thank you, Lord. One more time, just thank you, Lord. Lord, we seriously say thank you to you for what you've done.
And the best we can do is offer our lives to you. That's all we got. We really don't have any. Lord, you want the car, okay. You want the house, whatever. I think you want our lives. And so, Lord, I just want to give that to you tonight. So you can have me, all of me. Anything you want to do, any place you want me to go, I give it to you full-heartedly. Can you agree with me, family? Say amen to that. Lord, we give ourselves to you in full submission. Give us boldness. Give us strength. Give us what we need tonight. Thank you for hearing our prayer. and Thanking for being a God who cares and will help us out and be there for us. I don't know what the world does, and I'm bummed that they don't have you. Help us to stand for you that we can show them your greatness, your goodness, your love, your mercy, your justice, your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.